We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Hollywood Nights on May 30th, 1980. It was written by Floyd Mutrux, Richard Letterer, and William Tennant, directed by Floyd Mutrux, and released by Columbia Pictures. The location for Tubby's Drive-In, the centerpiece of the film, was actually... A recently closed A&W root beer. Aww. Yeah. I, I miss those places. It was right on uh, Van Nuys Boulevard. Um, Did you guys have a lot of those out here? We had one in Camarillo. Huh. We nice. had one or we have one? We had one. I didn't know that. By the way, who knows where we live? Uh, <laughs> punk rock group The New Bomb Turks took their name from a character in this film. I'll explain which one later. <laughs> This film bears a striking resemblance to George Lucas's American Graffiti, with Tubby's playing the part of Mel's Drive-In. According to IMDb, this is the first major film role for Michelle Pfeiffer, Tony Danza, and Robert Wool. 18-year-old Dudley in the film is being played by a 33-year-old man. Yeah. And uh, advertising for the film parodied the Apollo program with the tagline, The first movie to moon a man on the land. <laughs> Instead of landing a man on the moon, which I'm pretty sure we had some guys mooning people in Gorp. Yeah. Yeah. Too many. Way too many. <laughs> Not enough. What? But way too many. Yeah. But. Can it be both? Way too many. <laughs> we start the film with an egg smashing against the title on the screen. And we hear Surf Sam on KVLA announce that Tubby's Drive-In is coming down tonight. It's their last night of operation. And that if you're sad about it, a friend with weed is a friend indeed. I thought for sure that this was going to be about saving the drive-in. That's what I expected the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when we when we cut to the like affluent white family talking about how excited that they're going to be to tear it down and build this new complex. Yeah. It feels like the sequel to a movie where the gang didn't save the place. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just <laughs> celebrating the last yeah, night. It's like Ernest goes to camp. It's like they're trying to save the camp. Yeah. But, uh, but no. They literally staged a whole neighborhood watch meeting to talk about how happy they are that this place isn't going to exist anymore. Although we do have a, a decent soundtrack provided, I think, mostly by Columbia Records, but there was stuff the studio didn't own also. Really good music actually was like, as we were watching the first 10 or 15 minutes, I was like, I might actually want to buy the soundtrack to this movie. Well, it's much like the American Graffiti soundtrack, right. which is and just like a really great soundtrack. I think they actually have songs in common too. Well, it was solid wall-to-wall music with... You know, going from famous song I recognize to famous song I recognize. So I was really surprised at how much music they put in this movie because that usually would... dooms the thing to not being released. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how they could afford that much music. Well, the story with uh, American Graffiti was always that George Lucas had like planned to use all this music and he wasn't going to back down on any of it to the point that like a bunch of people went unpaid and he offered them credits in the film as like in exchange. And it's like, no, 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 you're supposed to pay me and put my name in the credits. <laughs> but uh, up before American Graffiti, they didn't credit everyone in a department. They credited the department head. And the credits for American Graffiti were much longer than usual because everyone that worked on the film was getting a credit, some in place of a paycheck. 
but that's not what we're reviewing. Well, we kind of are. I think we're going to touch back on it now and then. No, I think that's that's the only similarity. That's it? We've no, covered. Okay, we're not going to talk about All right, fair enough. The knights, the Hollywood, the titular Hollywood knights are driving around pretending to have a person in their trunk. Or I guess they actually have a person in their trunk. Yeah. But they're pretending that it was uh, a non-consensual trunk situation. And uh, they pull up to a bus stop where there's an old lady and then a hand reaches out of the trunk and tries to like grasp around and then they drive away laughing that she noticed their prank. Dumb prank. Not funny. And uh, the old lady wouldn't have cared. We cut to Fran Drescher and some friends. Fran uh, from the other Man Mooning movie, Gorp. She's still totally cute in this movie. She's mm-hmm. absolutely adorable. When um, all you when all you know her from is the nanny, and you go back and you watch these films, you're like, oh, I get it. I get her appeal. Yeah. I always liked her, actually. But um, she does have that. I think I mentioned it on the Gorp episode. She has like that Gilbert Gottfried reputation of just being an annoying voice comedian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like the end of it. She's here with uh, two friends who are sunbathing topless by a pool in the backyard when uh, New Bomb magically appears to take photographs of them from uh, the plants. And uh, they notice him and scream, and then he runs off. It's weirdly old-school camera here. Yeah. I feel like it's... Well, actually, maybe it's not, because what year is this supposed to be taking place? 65. Okay, so maybe that camera was appropriate? I don't know. It was weird because it had like a giant film strip coming out of it. It was like all the Polaroids were all connected. Well, it seemed like a medium format camera of some sort. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not familiar with 65 photography. But he seems to have magical powers to uh, transport all over the place. Right. Because as soon as he's running away from here, we see him being arrested in someone else's yard and it feels like you're cutting to a different scene happening concurrently, but somehow it's him again being arrested mm-hmm. for the prank on the old lady earlier, not for what he was just doing. They're complaining that, oh, these are also the guys that egged our cars recently. And then while the the four Hollywood Knights are in the grass of this front yard, their cars are getting hit with eggs by unseen knights who they also have the power of invisibility. Yeah. These eggs literally come out of nowhere. Yeah. And they're not even looking for a source. They're just like, oh, there's another egg hit my car. Okay. We cut to the police station where the supervising officer of these two uh, characters, Bimbo is the guy driving. I forget the other guy's name. Clark. Clark. Bimbo and Clark. And uh, they're getting chewed out for hassling the Hollywood Knights because their stronghold is about to be demolished. And we shouldn't be picking fights with these people because it's all going to be over soon. So let's not make it overcomplicated. Which makes absolutely no sense because... No. Well, this is certainly a place where they seem to gather. They all drive these fancy cars, and the car place is still there, yeah. which is right next door. Right, but the parking lot is being turned into uh, like a business park. Right, but which, can't they still go to the auto detailing place and hang they, out? They can, but there's not a massive parking lot like there was at, at the place. Right. Still, you can still go there. Right, but the whole point of this place is that there's a big parking lot so they can all park their fancy cars next mm. to each other and just drink and and have fun but they're losing that opportunity which i i assume would mean they would just move to a different neighborhood bimbo and clark are getting chewed out by a boss for picking a fight with these kids before they finish this scene their boss points out that someone has spray painted knight's rule on the side of their police car which somehow they didn't notice we cut to a neighborhood watch meeting there's a bunch of neighbors complaining about the rampant mooning that goes on uh, at the hands of these Hollywood knights who are terrorizing the neighborhood. 
the whole time they're trying to have this meeting, they're being interrupted by the same two cops that five minutes ago were being chewed out at the station. And five minutes before that, were arresting five of these kids. Mm-hmm. Now they're, for some reason, in the kitchen, just arguing about popular music in these people's house. I don't know why the police are at their house. Well, right. they're probably there for the neighborhood watch meeting. But they're not in the room where the meeting is happening. They're sitting in the kitchen arguing with each other in full uniform <laughs> it's just uh i'm not clear what's going on here then uh mrs friedman who's running the meeting reveals the poster of the the business park that's going to be replacing tubbies and everyone's very excited that they won't be terrorized anymore by the knights they're going to have to move on to some other burger joint with all their fancy cars i mean is this all that they get out of it i guess i mean they're very, very excited for this new building but what are they what do they get from this building? Fewer butts. All right. <laughs> I mean... The, the butt percentage is going to drop yes. significantly. Yes. We cut outside the house, which the knights have, of course, TP'd completely. Even though there's, like, police inside, all the neighbors are in the same house. But the, the whole thing is covered in toilet paper. I feel like I'd be more upset about that than the butt situation. Yeah. Like, the butt is just offensive to my eyes. But if I have to clean up all the toilet paper and dried egg goo all yeah. over my house, that would be bad. We well, yeah. use the toilet paper to clean up the egg. Oh, there you go. We they have left an expert all the in supplies. the house. <laughs> but the uh, the knights then go for the trifecta. They leave a bag of flaming poo on the porch. Nevin, who seems to be second in command at this meeting, opens the door. And uh, as he's heading to the front door to answer the ringing of the doorbell, Mrs. Friedman is kind of catching up with him. And uh, groping at his crotch because the two of them are having an extramarital romance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was going to say, at this point, we're supposed to realize that it's not her husband. I did not. Earlier in the meeting, she says, I'm sorry, my husband's not here. Yeah, exactly. She says, I'm sorry, my husband's not here. But he'll be at the rally that we've scheduled the same night as this meeting and of the dance later (laughs) and of all this other stuff. Right. But if you missed that line like I did, you watch this whole movie thinking... That they're married. That they're married and she's just really into her husband and doesn't get any alone time with him. Yeah. So Nevin answers the door and, of course, he steps on the dog poo, which is always funny. (laughs) Dog poo. And then uh, Barbara Ann plays. Um, (laughs) As as is tradition with the flaming bag of dog poo. Yes. (laughs) Poop again! (laughs) He called the shit poop. See, that's what's funny is you make a joke around what's happening instead of just being like, wasn't it funny on its own? It's like, no, because these are all actors just doing what you paid them to do. (laughs) Step on that bag. (laughs) Not funny automatically. You have to put a joke in there. So we're back at uh, Tubby's where the Knights are meeting with their four pledges for this year. Is it Tubby's or is it just Tubs? I think it's Tubby's. I think the sign says Tubby's, yeah. The cops are driving around, and uh, Clark asks Bimbo how he would look with a mustache, and he says, oh, you'd look perfect, like a perfect jerk. And Clark is like, aw. And it's such a funny joke that we should probably repeat it later in the movie for no reason. But then Clark starts to sing a song, and I, and it was my only, <laughs> my only genuine laugh of the entire movie. I really love this song, and I've been singing it ever since I first watched I, this movie. I could vouch for that. He has not stopped singing it. But he's singing the theme of Lawrence of Arabia, but he's added lyrics to it. So it goes, Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. He's an English guy. He came to fight the Turkish. And Bimbo was in the process of explaining to him that 
this song does not have lyrics. And he's like, no, I saw it a bunch of times in the theaters. And he's like, it never had lyrics any of the times <laughs> that you saw it. We cut to... But yet uh, somehow Nubom Turk hears this yes, song. Yes, no, we'll get to that. <laughs> and is able to repeat it. <laughs> yes, oh, there, there's wait, a microphone it, somewhere in this car. Wait, no, that's the joke. Crap, I, I totally missed it. Because he said, because Clark said he was in the theater and he kept hearing someone singing that song. Oh, so Nubom yeah. was singing in the theater yeah. every time this, this cop went to the go joke see it live <laughs> while we're recording days later. It finally clicked. Uh, so I didn't apparently, that. <laughs> Clark thought that there were lyrics to the song because Nubom Turk wasted money to sit behind him and sing along to the theme of Lawrence of Arabia every time he saw it. <laughs> That's a lot of effort to put into a shit prank. But uh, the knights take all their pledges to Watts and they make them strip completely naked and carry tires for their initiation into the Hollywood Knights. Now, this is not a fraternity. This is just a group of people. Yeah. You get to call yourself a Hollywood Knight and like one of the guys is really... You know, I got to be a Hollywood Knight. My grandfather and his grandfather mm-hmm. and his grandfather but going back to the late 1700s. To be fair, what is a fraternity except just a group of people as well? Well, it's at least centered around like a building that you all live in together. And yeah. it just, uh, I don't get why anyone would care about joining this group of like city pranksters. Those butts are prestigious. They don't look very prestigious. They're not being well taken care of. <laughs> little hygiene is in order we got an expert here (laughs) (laughs) the initiation basically consists of carry these tires go turn in a request at the local radio station for a specific song to play at two o'clock in the morning and then bring the tires back to tubbies Mm -hmm. you have to have the tires you have to have the tires back at tubbies at 2 a.m and right at 2 a.m a song has to play and this radio station does not take requests over the phone you have to give them in person we cut to the DJ booth, which is like attached to a record store, but it's out on the sidewalk side. And Dr. J is taking over in the DJ booth for uh, Surf Sam, I think was the other guy's yeah. name. He's, he sits down at the booth and starts to play the next song. We cut to Fran Drescher. What is her name in this movie? Uh, There's so many people in this movie. Yeah. It's hard, it was hard for me to kind of keep... Her name is Sally. Sally, okay. I also want to point out right now, whoever decided that the credits would be in alphabetical order by last name, I hate you, because it made this so much more work to look things up. Yeah. When, like, the doo-wop group is split up into four parts that are, like, 20 names apart each time. It's really annoying. But so Sally, the Fran Drescher character, and her two friends are driving through a park on the grass and then on sidewalk and pull over next to a tree to change completely from one outfit into another outfit like stripping completely naked and then Mm -hmm. changing outfits under this tree in the middle of a park random 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 park there's there's no this isn't that they don't do this here all the time there's no reason that anyone would know that they were going to do this here turk who we said before has invisibility and teleportation powers is (laughs) in the tree with two of his other friends just spying on these girls and watching them get naked i feel like if i were him i would get tired of seeing these girls naked because i see them naked all day every day wherever they are i'm just invisible in their room watching them naked that's what this character would be doing with his magical powers i feel like i would just choose not to strip in a convertible that doesn't make sense you're not making any sense 
they don't even strip in the car they get out of the car and stand in front of it and strip completely naked and then get back in the car uh once the girls notice them and start screaming at them and drive away the cops pull up and arrest them for the second time in six hours yep but for some reason they're still free to go (laughs) although he does i guess there is an explanation here because one of the two cops says you squirrels better have some nuts in your mouth or you're going downtown, which I think means you all yeah. better blow me or yeah, you're, yeah. Get, you're getting in the squad car. <laughs> so they must have blown this guy a couple times already today. We cut to Michelle Pfeiffer and Tony Danza. That's why he keeps arresting them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a game that they play with each other. It's their last night to, you know, get yeah. these guys a few more times before they disperse yeah, them. He's going to miss them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Tony Danza pull up to uh, Tubby's. Yeah, she where she there. works, she's a car hop there, and he's mad that she works. Yeah. Well, he's mad that she works day and night. She has a daytime job and a night job, and so he's he's upset that he doesn't but get. But he also time has out. a night job. He's Hollywood nights. <laughs> is he? I don't even know if he is a night. He didn't throw an egg at anybody. I barely saw his ass. <laughs> I don't even. I'm not convinced he is one. But uh, he's mad that she works nights. So he doesn't get to hang out with her at night, and then all day she has auditions scheduled because she wants to be an actress. This place is closing tonight anyway, so who gives a shit if you just call out? Yeah. <laughs> Don't go in. Clark and Bimbo pull up in the cop car to Tubby's and just start randomly telling kids to get the cars out of there, that there's not going to be any racing tonight. They make sure to tell all the other Hollywood Knights that if they even smell any burning rubber, Turk is going to have to blow him again. <laughs> um, no, he just says that Turk's going to be the one who gets in trouble for it just turk he reminds everyone so that no one except for this one guy cares it's not even turk cares really (laughs) yeah he doesn't really he starts to flirt with a couple of girls as they pull up into the recently vacated parking spot they order two big ones and two cherry cokes and he offers them a big one because he's hilarious and then he threatens to fart a song into their car he starts with have you ever heard my version of that song have you ever oh my god we have to get out of here and they both know what's going to happen because this is routine for him this is his pickup line i guess this is how turk hits on ladies as he farts into their cars spoiler alert i think it works no i think it does too for some reason but anyway these two uh pull away from the restaurant because they are not interested in having a fart car and uh, Even though it was a convertible, it'd be very difficult yeah. to trap a fart. I also don't think that it's realistic to fart songs the way he does in this movie, but maybe I'm just a shitty song farter. <laughs> yeah, you need to practice more. <laughs> yeah. No, please, don't practice more. I'm going to get Lapetta Main's book of uh, intentional farts. <laughs> um, do you know who Lapetta Main is? No. He was like a French guy who used to perform like just fart stuff on stage. But he literally like pumped air into his own butt and then would fart on stage in like the 1800s. Is that why Mel Brooks is named after him in the Blazing Saddles? Probably, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We meet another character because there's just not enough characters. Oh, God. It was just. (laughs) Jimmy is leaving for the military. He's just just the military in general. He's not going anywhere, apparently. He's convinced that he's not going to go to Vietnam because they're only taking advisors. But this is before they really started to. Yeah, pick yeah. up in the uh that, that's the enlistment effort yeah that this is the 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 audience has more information than he does right. kind of thing dramatic irony he thought that his girlfriend was pregnant recently which would have meant that he wouldn't 
uh, be forced to go to Vietnam. Apparently that's a part of the drafting program that I was not aware of, that fathers were somehow uh, allowed to skip out on the duty. <laughs> but not the duty. Not the duty. That whatever talk about 60s, nobody, no dudes are changing diapers. No. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> they reminisce here about the first time they showed up to Smitty's car shop, that basically Jimmy and uh, Tony Danza's character pulled up on a bike that was broken, and he told him to get, get it out of his shop. And a couple hours later, he had the whole thing fixed and running better than ever and whatever. We're good friends now because you fixed my bike 20 years ago. They complain that nobody wants to be a knight anymore. They only have four pledges this year. But how many tires can you really take in a trunk to Watts? I think four is a good max. Plus, I, there seems to be an awful lot of knights already. Yeah. It seems like you you probably could max. You could probably only take on four more. Yeah. One of the one of the knights is sitting by a car and thinks that a pirate is checking him out. This is uh, the second hint that this is actually taking place on Halloween night. Yeah, yeah, I was really confused about this until we get much later in the movie. I'm yeah. like, why is this random chick dressed like a pirate? Well, yeah. they, they say it's Halloween at the beginning of the, in the radio opening. But it's so lightly hinted at throughout yeah. the whole movie. The only hint we've gotten so far was that there was a pumpkin by the door when Nevin went to step on all the shit bag. Here, there's a woman dressed as a pirate, and I was like, are they like across the street from a medieval times or something? <laughs> why is there this woman in this weird scarfy dress with in this scurvy dress <laughs> scarfy <laughs> my word was made up um but I yeah scurvy is a thing yeah um not to describe dresses <laughs> <laughs> that dress was very low in vitamin c you have not had enough lemons in that Get dress some citrus um, you cannot you cannot argue that that dress is very low in vitamin C. <laughs> the yeah, so the guy thinks a pirate is checking him out, but his friend blows it for him by saying, "Hey, are you checking my friend out?" And that's the end of that scene. Then a drunk kid wanders through the shot, carrying a skateboard. I'm pretty sure this kid is like 14, but mm-hmm. seems like he's wasted on set. Like he's he's slurring his words, and um, I'm pretty sure he was actually drunk. We get this dumb joke. Uh, Turk is sitting with Sally at the window outside the restaurant. And he says, Hey, you're in the fine food. What do you get when you cross a donkey with a slice of Bermuda onion? I don't know. What? A piece of ass that brings tears to your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy in the restaurant goes, <laughs> And then when they cut to him behind Turk's back, he's just like, Fucking idiot. Like, so <laughs> stupid. I'm tired of your dumb jokes. Whatever's happening between... It's working. Between farting a song in their convertible and dumb jokes that don't make any sense she's into it yeah sally is uh she thought it was great and she's smiling about it but she stands up to go get in a car with her boyfriend who is a college guy and he's wearing like a sherlock holmes costume Mm -hmm. i don't even know if it's a costume or if he's just supposed to be (laughs) like like preppy preppy nonsense man he's got a, a pipe and a driving cap and uh i don't know what he's doing but he also drives a, a nice car, which made me think that he was part of their group or at least part of their social circle. No, it's just in 1965, no. literally everyone drove a classic car because they were all from the 60s. Well, and this is... <laughs> <laughs> but this is also Beverly Hills. This is taking right. place in Beverly mm-hmm. Hills. So I think everybody is well off. The cops harass the drunk kid. They call him a sidewalk surfer and they take his cigarettes away. Is that a thing? Is that what you used to call skateboarding? I think so, yeah. I think some people still call it that. They're about 110, but they still do. (laughs) 
the kid says that the cigarettes were for his mom and they're like whatever get out of here turk drives down the main drag waving nude polaroids of a girl at her in another car and he's offering to sell them to the other people in the car with her i don't understand this plan or just social decision to be like i'm gonna sneak into someone's house and take naked pictures of them and then sell them to their friends in front of them her boyfriend laughs and says that he has the real deal and he doesn't need photographs Turk parks the El Camino, which we find out later is his, or I guess here, is his brother's car, not his car. And he parks it in front of a fire hydrant. And they say, hey, you parked that in front of a fire hydrant. And he says, big deal, it's Halloween. Which is our third hint that it's Halloween. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Friedman is inside the school giving the introduction at a pep rally. And she hands off the microphone to a weatherman for no reason who announces some more things while someone moons him from the audience. Newbomb dresses like a wolf and hits on a girl in a Robin Hood costume in the parking lot because it's Halloween, and that's hilarious. Dudley and his mom are approaching the rally. Dudley is the 33-year-old playing an 18-year-old. He's, he's sort of the social outcast. He uh, is stuttering, and uh, he's dressed in a like full band uniform, and he's trying to practice songs on his trumpet. Dudley is my hero. Yeah, he's great. He, he is the hero of this film. Yes. His mom tells him that he has to do a good job because uh, the school is going to hand him a check for $500, which is a year's tuition in 1965. Ugh, depressing. Friedman and Nevin have sex in a car while the rally is still going on. Well, they're attempting to. Yeah, they're, yeah they get started at least. The weatherman hands off the mic to another guy, and this is Mr. Friedman. Um, he is the president of the Residency Association, and he the Pres Res the Pres Res. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he introduces the marching band and unrolls a banner that says "Beat the shit out of the Panthers," which they immediately have to roll back up because mm. obviously the words "the shit out of" have been added to this banner. Dudley walks up to the car where Mrs. Friedman and Nevin are still having sex and he puts his head down between her legs while Dudley walks up to talk to her and it seems like Nevin does not stop mm -hmm. while she's having this conversation. Dudley is showing her uh, props from a magic show that he intends to do later in the night and he drops them all into the car and uh, while they're trying to fish them out of the back seat, a third hand reaches up with one of them to, to hand them back to Dudley. <laughs> And then he accidentally bumps their car horn, which is stuck and is just blaring until Dudley finally leaves and the two of them can get out of the car to stop the horn. Newbaum tells a pair of elderly women a dirty joke about a guy with five dicks and how his pants fit like a glove. I feel like this must have just been the crew sitting around going like, uh, what's a joke? We should, this, this movie needs more jokes. Who would be a funny person to tell this joke? Old ladies. Let's tell it to old ladies. Okay. It feels kind of like they checked out one of those cheesy joke books from the library. Yeah, it really does. I mean, maybe it's accurate to the time that in 65 it was like, yeah, that's all we did was we sat around at the library memorizing bad jokes and then we would tell them at night. The knights jump Dudley on his way into the school and steal his uniform. But it seems like they're familiar with him and they're at least friends with him because they like know yeah. where he keeps his inhaler and they know how he's going to react to this attack. So they're immediately like digging into his pocket like, okay, here you go. Here's your inhaler. He's like, please don't hurt me. I think I'm a bleeder. <laughs> um, the, we cut back inside the rally where Miss, Mr. Friedman 
introduces the Beverly Hills cheerleaders. There's only three of them? Yeah. Uh, it's a cheerleading squad of three women. And one of them forgot to put on her underwear. And so they do... Uh, As one does. Yeah. It, happen- it happens it. to all of us. I'm not wearing any right now. Well, yeah, but that's on purpose. But sometimes it happens on accident, too. And it happened to this girl. And so she's doing some high kicks and fast spins and showing off her butt. And everyone has a meltdown about it. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're having a meltdown about her showing off her butt. Because we see her butt from behind as she's jumping facing the crowd. Right. Well, it seems weird to me because she seems genuinely mortified that at, after she realized what had happened. Yeah. And well, I don't th- think you wear a tiny, tiny short skirt like that. And, and don't notice. And you're about to do some high kicks and don't notice that you forgot your underwear. Yeah. I mean, it's a little breezy down there. If you're wearing a short skirt. Yeah. Well, this lady did it somehow, magically. It was just the perfect temperature out. So you just, you just <laughs> Those can't Those beautiful, tell. you know, Hollywood nights. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's the name of the movie. Oh, my God. That's what it was a reference to. The comfortable temperature of her <laughs> vaginal region. The cops pull up to the school and ticket Newbaum's vehicle. They tow it. Yeah, they... they yeah, they tow. It's actually not his vehicle. It's his brother's, brother's vehicle. Yeah. So the cops pull up to tow Newbaum's brother's El Camino. But while they're there, they're getting hit with eggs from more invisible teleportation nights. Somehow, Newbaum is there to sing the Lawrence of Arabia song to them. But doesn't know that his car has been towed later. Right. It, I'm pretty sure it is Turk singing it, too. It's, it's definitely Robert Wall. So he's out there singing this song as a joke on them while they're towing his car. And then later he's shocked to learn that it's happened. The uh, the guy on stage, Mr. Friedman, introduces Dudley, who's going to come and perform a song. And it's Newbaum in Dudley's clothes. He sings Volari and farts into the microphone while he's singing. Fran Drescher yells at her boyfriend for not thinking it's funny. <laughs> Because apparently I'm her boyfriend in this movie. Um, the El Camino is towed after the rally. Once the mad farter has been reported to the police, the cops arrest Dudley, thinking that he is the mad farter. But but honestly, what are they? What would they, even if they had the right guy? What would they be arresting him for? Public flatulence. Yeah. I need to be more careful. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, there's not a law that he's breaking, and they would 100% for sure have killed this guy if a second police car and a group of witnesses who knew that he was receiving the scholarship hadn't shown up in time. Because they're literally, like, sitting on his back, not giving him his inhaler as he's dying from an asthma attack from this hilarious prank that the Knights pulled. So they almost got Dudley killed tonight. Won't be the first time. But uh, luckily someone prevented this murder by cop. The Pledges steal a bunch of clothes from a clothesline in a backyard on their way through Watts. Um, and inadvertently look like... <laughs> inadvertently, <K-K-K>. though? <laughs> he's wearing a hood, like a triangular hood over his head. Like, what did he... Like, there's no reason to put that on your head that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, they walk past a house where people are having sex in the living room, and they notice this this pointed hood walking through. Yeah. Grab a gun and chase them with, with a gun out of the out of the yard getting shot at the whole time we cut to a group of four doo-woppers performing a song at the record store and the dj is enjoying the performance newbaum's brother comes looking for him but there's absolutely no payoff to his brother coming looking for him right yeah that was really weird and the scene doesn't make any sense either because 
Oh, actually, we have a quick scene with Tony Danza and Michelle Pfeiffer here, which they're so sparse, but Danza pitches moving to Venice together to Michelle Pfeiffer, who says like, oh, well, you're asking me to give up so much. And it's like, no, I'm not. It's like 10 miles that way. You could still act if we live in Venice. I don't understand what you're talking about sacrificing. Well, apparently in the 60s, Venice was like the boonies. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> she said she has a screen test in the morning. But yeah, and this is when Newbaum's brother shows up. So right before he gets there, someone says, hey, Newbaum, I think your brother's looking for you. And then he goes and he hides under a vehicle. And then his brother pulls up and he says, hey, has anybody seen my brother? And they're like, no, he's not. He's not here. And he's like, all right, well, you tell him I'm looking for him. And then he leaves. And then the bro- and then Turk gets up and he's like, hey, how's it going? And they were like, your brother was looking for you. He's like, yeah, I, I know. You told me, you warned me, and then I hid, and then I unhid, and you watched all of that happen. <laughs> so I don't know why you're presenting this like it's new information. But instead he says, he's looking for me? He's looking for me? That pussy's looking for me? The, uh... The Iron Box twins, as these girls are referred to repeatedly, they're in the bathroom and they are talking, but somehow Newbaum had the presence of mind to psychically predict that they would say embarrassing things. So he went into the bathroom first and sat on a toilet and set up a recording device so he could record them right. spreading gossip. And of course, immediately they talk about how gross he is, which I feel like is the only thing that would ever get said in this bathroom. And then uh, they start talking about a girl who had an abortion and gave the football team the clap. And then he steps out of the stall and he says, that was the Ironbox twins talking to you live on my fake radio program. And then he walks out of the bathroom and they yell at him. The cops are there again, just being annoying, I guess. I don't know why they're there. They're back at Tubby's. Someone shouts, hey, what time is it? And Newbaum's response whenever someone says, what time is it? is to turn around and throw a burger as fast as he can. And so he does that, and it hits a cop right in the face. And then he has to blow the guy again, probably. So that's the fourth time tonight. But seriously, he's been, arrest- he's been arrested like four times yeah. this night. Because he doesn't like get away from them. He throws the burger. It's like, no, he- that's the fourth time now that these cops have caught you dead to rights. I don't understand why they keep just letting you out so they can catch you again. We cut to cars racing down the boulevard, and the cops tell them to pull over. So the cop car pulls up to a left-hand turn lane, and one of the police gets out of the police car, and then the car continues to turn left Mm -hmm. onto the side street. And the cop that he left in the middle of the street says to the car that they wanted to pull over, pull around this corner to the left like like the police car did. And then they're like, okay, and then they just drive straight. And the cop has he's completely powerless this was Mm -hmm. a terrible maneuver for pulling someone over is to turn off the road and just assume that they're going to do what you ask they continue driving new bomb is in the car with a guy named tarzan and these two chicks that he brought tarzan is like this blonde surfer dude new bomb just jams his hand into this girl's crotch while he's driving and so she dumps her vanilla shake on his face and he almost crashes the car then he teleports to the dance where he's suddenly dressed in like a full suit and tie and he intercepts the caterers and he tells them, I'll take that punch barrel. You need to drive this van through the garden and just destroy as many plants as you can. And tell them Newbaum Turk sent you. Yep. And instead of just 
staying on street and driving around the building like literally anyone would have done. These guys are like, well, he said to do this, so I guess we'll drive through the garden and destroy the garden. They take the barrel of punch and they set it down and four of the knights pee into it. I think, I hope to God. <laughs> because just suggested they just might be making a, a mix of tea. They might be, they might it was be tea bagging it. It was unclear. Yeah, because they said, well, they'll say later that my dick was in there. Yeah. And so it's like, are you just dipping? Because <laughs> if you're just dipping, no one's going to taste that. Right. You got to do something to this mix. But repeatedly... But they uh, also say before they do this that they're going to spike the punch. Mm. It's true. It's true. But repeatedly, uh, what's her face? Mrs. Friedman. Mrs. Friedman is saying, I know that taste. Like more times. I've had this taste in my mouth I've before. I've had this taste. Mm. Yeah. More Whatever's times Whatever's been than mixed into this punch, sometimes it's in my mouth. <laughs> I hope it's not embarrassing later. It would be really weird if some sort of drink had been in my mouth before. Like, why did she say it that way? Unless she was unexpectedly, like, drinking something that wasn't normally in your mouth. But, like, right. it's punch. Yeah. They wouldn't taste it if they were just dick dipping. They're not bobbing with nuts. <laughs> right. But let's so. imagine that any other <laughs> liquid was in was put into this punch. Would you say, I've had this taste in my mouth before? Yes, I would. <laughs> but that's my own personal you, business. Yeah, you wouldn't just be like, that's a familiar flavor. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the way she says it makes much more sense. I feel like someone's paid me to put this flavor in my mouth before. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, and they uh, they start handing the punch around to everybody like, drink this. Tell me if it tastes like something weird. And Newbom's outside trying to warn them against it, apparently. Yeah. Like, well, aren't was... you supposed to wait until the party's over and then tell everyone they drank your piss? Well, no. You don't just shout at the window, that's my dick. My dick is in that cup somehow. He literally had one of the guys stand by the entrance and only tell the students at the dance, Not don't drink, drink the, the punch. punch, don't drink the punch. Yeah. And like, as any adults came in, he just didn't say anything. But he definitely didn't get the word out to everyone. Right. And the, and the guy at the door is also saying to the cops, oh, try some punch. And when the cops go over to the, the counter, Mrs. Friedman's like, try this. Tell me if it tastes like something you've drank for money. And then the cop <laughs> takes a sip and he says, it does have a little wang in it. Good, though. Dudley is now inexplicably in a magician costume. Yeah. Headed to a talent contest scheduled the same night as the dance and rally and neighborhood watch meeting well it's at Halloween. the dance though. it's at the dance yeah he's going it's, to it's the dance to, to entertain perform. people there's with so magic much going on why does dudley dance? have three costume changes <laughs> which which trick should i do mother they're also good <laughs> <laughs> some girls pull dudley aside and flash him to paralyze him and take his costume and he's 100 percent cool with this yeah. like they should have just done this the first time it's, too it's like is that you again new bump yeah dudley, like, it's nothing like, personal okay like, be careful with the cape <laughs> it's, it's rental <laughs> It's very, uh, uh, very Milton-like character. Yeah. Hey, don't um, forget about me because I'm a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Dudley. this guy. But uh, yeah, so now we're back at the dance slash talent show uh, where audio of the Ironbox twins talking about an abortion plays over the in-house speakers. The whole audience thinks this is hilarious that this girl has been outed for her abortion and for giving the entire football team the clap. And her dad hears the recording and says, that's my daughter they're talking about. And it's just the funniest thing that anybody here has ever heard. Jack Friedman is again on stage introducing a one-armed violinist. This is the 
third act that he has introduced tonight that has yeah. gone horrifically wrong. And, or uh, horrifically right, because there's an old German guy who seems very happy with this. Situation. I don't know if he's happy with it or not. He, he, I'm having well, trouble not, reading him. It's not, it's not a happy. It's like he's just in awe. It's, like, it's actually, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think he enjoyed the cheerleader performance. I'm not sure if he enjoyed this one. So a knight comes out and sort of pinches a violin between his chin and his shoulder mm-hmm. and just rubs the bow back and forth yeah. with nonsense music but then when he finishes the performance he brings the bow down and then grabs it with his prehensile with his other dick. hand <laughs> yeah. his prehensile dick it's not even a hand this this is one of the knights that doesn't have another arm but yeah. his dick has knuckles <laughs> and, and, that, uh, and that's when the drummer goes it's impressive he was able to grab it with his dick yes <laughs> In reality, this knight is just has his arm down his shirt and is reaching through his fly to grab it. Everyone is disgusted, but cheering also. No one here is disappointed with the performance. Well, you know, and it's not the size that matters. It's how many joints it has. Yeah, that's what they that's say. why they call it a boner. <laughs> so is many bones. Well, I need to call a doctor. <laughs> Somebody, stole my... Somebody stole my bones. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you, you call a doctor for bone theft? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or is that, uh, do you call that Boniva? I think you call, <laughs> that's what you call for bone theft. Boniva <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but so uh, even though it seems like this performance was, was a hit, uh, Jack Friedman tells everyone to stop applauding because he's angry about what happened. Um, we cut to Mrs. Friedman and Nevin having sex in the car again, but now they're slowly drifting out of the car while they have sex and onto inexplicably a trampoline that's just been left in the grass <laughs> in front of the school. Uh, so they climb up onto the trampoline to have sex. Dudley's wandering through. He doesn't have his glasses because they were part of his magician costume, I guess. And he bumps their car door and closes it. So he locks all their clothes in their car. And then he goes to talk to them. I think this time he actually realizes that he's interrupting them during sex. Yep. But he's Coitus just like, interruptus. Yes. But now he's just like, oh, look, we're all in our underwear. Isn't that funny? It almost sounded like he was inviting himself to join them. <laughs> um, oh, uh, what a quinky dink. <laughs> back at the dance, uh, a girl is now singing. This is the, a niece of one of the producers of the film. Fran's fancy boyfriend is not funny enough for her. He has barely farted any songs tonight. <laughs> and so she tells him to go away and uh, just be smart somewhere else, you jerk. And she invites Turk to a party at her home. We cut to her backyard where people are skinny dipping in a pool and just making out with each other all over the place. The two of them are in her car parked in the garage. She's inviting him to the back of the car for sex when he ejaculates prematurely in the front seat. Yeah. Then we cut to, well, well, there's nothing trying, more to this scene. No, it's, it's, it's so great because they get in an argument. And he's like, you know what? You know what? I'm glad I came. I'm glad that I came. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's such a weird argument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny because it could mean like he came or he's glad that he came to the party. Yeah. We move back to, uh, shrimpies what's the what's the Tubbies. no the car oh, shop smitties? smitties there you go <laughs> smitties we go back to smitties where the guys at the shop are unveiling jimmy's car which he just got tuned up and a new paint job 
And uh, they also threw in an 8-track player as a going-away present because he's off to die. He's very excited about it. Tony Danza, like, pokes fun at the car, like, what color is that? Piss yellow? And then Tony Nancy, who's in there, says, that's Tony Nancy yellow. But we had to back it up because at first we were like, did he just say it's Tony Danza yellow? That's Tony Nancy yellow! <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> what? First, why are you using the actor's name? And yellow? What? <laughs> but, um... But he says Tony Nancy because that's his name and he actually fixes up cars. Yeah, um, so I think he's a, a famous like drag Yeah, drag he's a hot racer. Rider. Hot yeah. rider, sure. Yeah. But yeah, so they uh, they put this eight track player in the car and he sits and listens to a song on it and he's very excited. The pledges interrupt the doo wop group as they're walking away from the DJ booth. They're in all in dresses that they've stolen off of clotheslines. Why and not just go into the booth at this point? I don't know. You're like two feet away from it. Do people not need to dry men's clothes too? Like, couldn't there have been pants somewhere? But they're all in like full dresses. That, that you're assuming that guys' clothes need to be washed. Oh, that's true. This is '65. But they stop the doo-wop group and they say, "Hey, we got to play this song at two o'clock, and you got to say something about the Hollywood Nights. Can you please do it for us?" And they're like, "Sure, if you smoke some of our weed." <laughs> it's like, what? Why would you? That happened never. The, okay, thank you. Sure, if that's the if that's the toll, the cops give Turk a hard time about the El Camino back at Tubby's. As revenge, he's he says out loud, "Hey, right about now is when the fat cop goes to take a dump." Like he keeps track of this. Mm. He writes it down, like he knows when the skinny guy's going to go see Lawrence of, Lawrence of Arabia, and he knows when the fat guy's going to take a dump. So he's going to poop next. Let's uh, destroy he, the bathroom right before he goes in there. I, I can see him as a butt stench expert. Yes. So. That that does check out. He honed his craft for yes. a long time. Uh, and then so they go and flush two full rolls of toilet paper uh, down the drain at the only toilet at Tubby's. The cop wanders in exactly on cue. Oh, but not before Clark asks him how he would look with a mustache. And then uh, Bimbo <laughs> is hilarious. He says, you w- you'd look perfect. And he's like, oh, yeah? And he says, yeah, you'd look like a perfect horse's ass. Get it? Because he thought that he was going to say perfect and then not anything after that, like right. when he asked him just, just less than an hour before. Then for some weird reason, he draws one on? Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Why would that be a good idea in any situation for you to be out in public and be like, you know what? I'm going to take a magic marker and draw some lines on my face. People are just going to assume that Newbomb did that to you. So the fat cop goes to take a dump. The They barricade toilet, the, yeah, yeah. They barricade the door with garbage. Yeah. Someone takes a screwdriver to the door like they're doing something to the door to make it not open. And then they dump a bunch of trash on the floor, which looks like mostly like wet cheeseburgers like dipped in ranch or something they're, yeah they're like, it's like really really messy garbage food garbage is the worst yeah so he goes to flush the toilet and it's overflowing and he can't get out and he starts shouting to clark in the car and clark comes running around he draws his gun and he says stand back which is like i don't know what that means if i'm on the other side of this wall it's like, <laughs> i'm gonna shoot through the wall stand where i'm not aiming my gun it's like i don't know which way you're pointing what do you mean stand back if I back up a few feet, if you're pointing that direction, the bullet's still going to hit me. He fires a bunch of bullets through the door. And at this point, Bimbo is so angry that he charges out of the door and falls across all the garbage. Even though the door opens into the bathroom. So he would have had to pull it in, notice the trash, but somehow he doesn't and he falls in the trash. 
and it's hilarious they try to leave dudley gets in front of their car and pretends that they hit him with the car and then they're like oh no are you okay and then he and then they suggest that they're going to put a nightstick in his mouth to help him breathe Mm -hmm. or to do cpr like they don't know how to do cpr because they're just cops um and so he just stands up and says never mind i'm fine and so then they try to leave and they crash into another car leaving the parking lot tony danza sits down with michelle pfeiffer and i'm not going to refer to these characters by their names i'm just going to go with the actors um he tells them that he's he's not worried that she's not going to make it but he's worried that she will make it and that she will leave him that's the plan and she says yep you can stay on tv i'm gonna be in movies um uh the pledges arrive at 2 a.m right as their song is playing on the radio and everyone's really excited about it uh smitty tells jimmy that it's okay to be scared and jimmy tells smitty that he's been like a father to him we're wrapping up everybody's stories uh dudley calls his mom but but dudley also gets a jacket right yes and then he goes to a payphone. he calls his mom and he says mother i have an assignation with a young lady tonight i am going to explore the boundaries of my manhood See, dear. Mother, I'm going to get late. You're going to be a little late. No, not late, Mother. Late. L-A-I-D. The last participle of the verb to lay. I'm going to screw someone. And then she dies. <laughs> and then we, uh, the kids moon the cops and start a chase. The cops, as they're speeding around a corner, crash into another car that Mrs. Friedman and Nevin are having sex in and uh, it's parked outside her house this time so her husband comes out with his wig on sideways and she's trying to explain why she's naked with nevin on the sidewalk outside of their home the kids pull back up uh in the car that they've been mooning from all night and moon mrs friedman and this really terrible song starts playing that is clearly original to the film because the song is called hollywood nights But when the piano first started playing, I recognized it immediately and started singing the other lyrics I know to this piano score, which it turns out this is the piano score that is sampled in the Nappy Roots song, Good Day. Have you heard this song before? No. It's like uh, a bunch of kids' voices over the... Yeah, we're gonna have a good day i was just very surprised to hear it in this movie and then when i looked it up it's like oh they literally sampled it from the hollywood nights soundtrack that's mm. so bizarre i wanted to talk about a couple of the connections to american graffiti which i also watched in preparation for this All record right. lay it on me um we, we're, we obviously <laughs> we're centered around a diner with car hops for most of the night uh, we have a soundtrack of largely 50s and 60s music uh, all the classics, a lot of uh, Beach Boys in both movies. We have these radio DJ interstitials. There's Dr. J in this movie, and we have Wolfman Jack yeah. in American Graffiti. Someone refers to a car as being piss yellow, which Harrison Ford refers to a car as being piss yellow twice in American Graffiti. 
Um, and then someone says it here because this is nine years later and there's wasn't home video yet. So they were like, oh, it's fine. We could just reuse a joke from another movie. No one remembers that movie. <laughs> Didn't spawn a television series. Yeah, nobody remembers it. And uh, there's also a scene where uh, someone orders two cherry Cokes, which is probably just normal for the 60s anyway. That's the end of the film, guys. We didn't mention how they saved the diner because they didn't. Because they didn't save the diner. They didn't save it. It's still closing and everything is not great because all these people, one guy's going off to Vietnam. They're talking about the future, like everything's going to change. And it's just like, oh man, this is actually kind of a sad ending to this movie. Yeah, but that, I think it's the same as American Graffiti. But Dudley's a Hollywood knight now, so That's it's true. a happy ending. And he's going to get laid. But he just doesn't know how that works. I think they showed a lot of reservation in not putting an epilogue up for each character on screen and just being 100% a remake of American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. But this was directed by Floyd Mutrux, who uh, in his spare time is probably medicine for a cold. <laughs> Um, he was a producer on Dick Tracy and he wrote Blood In, Blood Out, which I actually really like that movie. He wrote this movie together with Richard Letterer, who uh, was a producer on Exorcist 2. And uh, he also wrote Maverick, but not not the newer Maverick. He wrote the 1960 Maverick. And uh, Bill Tennant, who also has a story credit on this, was a uh, producer on a couple Cleopatra Jones movies. And also The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper yeah. um, in 1981. So we'll be covering that next year. Oh, that D.B. Cooper. We should pursue him. He's got a lot of money. Um, he's dead. Oh, well, maybe. By now, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to move through the credits in alphabetical order by last name for some reason. Uh, Mike Binder, or Binder, was one of the pledges. Um, he also directed Blank Man. And uh, he wrote and directed Rain Over Me, which is that Don Cheadle, Adam Sandler, 9-11 movie. And he was an EP on Ray Donovan, if that's still on. I don't know if that's... Uh, I think it might be over with, but I heard, I heard it was good. Who knows? T.K. Carter was one of the doo-woppers. He plays Nulls in The Thing. Yeah. Uh, he's a monster voice in Space Jam. And he plays Lenny in My Favorite Martian. So, okay, I'm not the best with knowing the names of actors or or anything like that. Usually I could describe to you something that I know people from. Two times in this movie, I'm like, I really, really know this face and I have no idea what from <laughs> until I looked up his IMDb. And that was T.K. Carter? That was, was T.K. Carter. He was the teacher from Punky Brewster. And he was a regular on the show? Yes. That's awesome. He was Mike. <laughs> Um, we have Tony Danza here playing Duke. Um, he plays Tony on Taxi. He played Tony on Who's the Boss. Um, he was also John Sr. in Don John, that uh, Jogo movie. Mm-hmm. And he's also uh, the pitcher in Angels in the Outfield, also with Jogo. Um, Jogo, of course, being a derogatory term for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, Fran Drescher was Sally. She was in Gorp, UHF, The Nanny, Beautician and the Beast. She's wonderful. We don't blame her for this movie. Lee French was Jacqueline Friedman. She'll play a prehistoric woman in History of the World Part 1 and Gary's mother in Halloween 2. Gary Goodrow plays Jack Friedman here. He wrote Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Or yeah. Honey, I Blew Up the Baby. Is that what that one is? Um, the third installment of that franchise. He also was apparently a TV reporter in Hero at Large. He has a recognizable face, but I don't remember him from that. Um, Sandy Helberg was Officer Clark. 
Uh, he's Dr. Schlotkin in Spaceballs. <laughs> and for a second, I thought he directed Mortal Kombat, but he plays a director in Mortal Kombat. Uh, probably on the set of Johnny, Johnny Cage's Cage, movie. Yeah, makes sense. Because he's on set at the beginning when he gets his invitation to the fight. Ken Hickson plays Dark. I don't know who Dark is, but he also plays a director in the movie Mr. Mom. He wrote Inventing the Abbots, City by the Sea, Welcome to the Rileys, and the sequel to the Angelina Jolie movie, Unbroken. Okay. So, a lot of people moving behind the camera from this cast. Art LaFleur is Thomas here. Uh, he plays the babe in The Sandlot. He, uh, this was his first feature, um, and he'll be back later this year for Any Which Way You Can. He plays a guard in War Games. He's Captain Sears in Cobra, and he plays the Tooth Fairy in the Santa Claus franchise. <laughs> He's in the second and third installments. <laughs> Glad he wasn't the Tooth Fairy in the Hannibal Lecter franchise. Yes. Our next credit, did you look into this guy at all? Which one? Humble Harv Miller. No. Okay, don't. Please don't. I want to tell you this right now. Humble Harv Miller played Dr. J. Uh, he's credited here as Harvey Miller. He's an actual Los Angeles DJ. I'm going to read you the first paragraph of his LA Times obituary, okay? Veteran radio DJ Humble Harv Miller, whose six-decade career was forever marred by the shooting death of his wife in 1971, for which he pled guilty, went to prison, and then resumed his place behind the microphone for 40-plus years, died Tuesday in Camarillo. Oh. His wife, Serena Miller, confirmed he was 84. So this guy... What, what year did he die? Uh, I don't know. But he killed his wife in 71, went to jail, was out of jail in time to be in this movie in 1980. He died just last year. And he died last year in Camarillo. That's insane. I was like, wait, that, that guy that was like super chill on the radio the whole time? That was we, like... We probably rented movies to him. Probably. He probably came into our blockbuster. But that blew my mind when I read that whole paragraph. Like, I thought it was crazy enough in the first sentence, and then when it ended in Camarillo, I was like, oh my god, what the hell? We have Tony Nancy in this film playing himself. Um, he was a famous hot rodder who had a shop on Ventura Boulevard in the Valley, and he would have been 15 years younger when this movie takes place because he's playing himself. So it's weird to play yourself in a period film. But he did it. Uh, Stuart Pankin played Dudley Laywicker. Um, he'll be back later this year in Hangar 18. Um, he plays Mr. James in Mannequin on the Move. He's the voice of Earl Sinclair yeah. on Dinosaurs. <laughs> He's also Commander Plank in Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. Also, Xenon, the sequel, and <laughs> Xenon, Z3. Really? So good for him. Zequel? Yeah, I am going to mention every credit for Xenon Girl of the 21st Century that we encounter. P.R. Paul played Simpson. Not sure who that was. He took over the role of Montgomery McNeil for the Fame TV series. That was the guy that played the, the mean doctor on ER. Yes. He played that guy's character on the Fame TV show. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. So he, I think he is just one of the knights. Um, Joe Marie Payton is credited here as Black Lady. I'm assuming she's one of a group of women who walk past the doo-woppers just outside the radio station. She played Harriet Winslow for seasons one through eight of Family Matters mm -hmm. and was unceremoniously replaced in season nine with Judy Ann Elder. Uh, she was the whole reason that the show existed in the first place after appearing in two seasons of Perfect Strangers when her character was spun off into the series Family Matters. 
I didn't know those two shows were related. Yep. Yeah. So they dumped the connective tissue from this show to that. Season nine is also totally bizarre. And I thoroughly recommend a podcast called Family Chatters if you want to hear people analyze the insanity that is Family Matters season nine. Like every episode is jumping the shark. Yes. That like Urkel in space, Urkel time traveling. It's bonkers. There's also a Halloween episode with a, a dummy also played by Urkel. Uh, I love the the Key and Peel sketch, where one of them is supposed to be Reginald Val Johnson coming to complain about a script or something. Well, he's like he's complaining that this used to be about me and my family. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the neighbors. In the next episode, Steve Urkel turns Carl into a giant sandwich and accidentally eats him. <laughs> oh wait, that's hilarious, buddy! It's hilarious. Come on, I'm an actor, Gene. This was supposed to be about me and my family. I know, but you know, after that, after that first death spot with Steve Urkel, I mean, America fell in love with him, man. We had to make him a regular, and I, you know, hey, listen, he's the star of the show now, sweetheart. We gotta play ball, Bubba. Don't you dare Bubba me, Gene. Uh. I, I also feel that Reginald Val Johnson's character on that show was just spun off from Die Hard or Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, because it's like he's he's a he's cop the same and, character and everything. He's a, with the exception of Crocodile Dundee, in which he is a chauffeur. Right. We have Michelle Pfeiffer here as Susie Q. She plays Janet Van Dyne in Ant Man Two and Endgame. Um, she's also in Grease Two, Scarface, Catwoman. I think Catwoman is probably no. Yeah, it's, she played Catwoman. <laughs> She played Catwoman, yes. She isn't actually Catwoman. No. Uh, Dimitri <laughs> Phillips was Newbaum's brother. He is unremarkable. He looks like Charlie Rocket, kind of, to me. Like a young Charlie Rocket. Uh, Gaylord Sartain uh, played Bimbo. He was the big bopper in the Buddy Holly story. And he is in Ernest Goes to Camp, Saves Christmas, and Goes to Jail. Yeah. yeah. So this was the other instance of a... I know this guy. I really, really, really know this guy, but I could not tell you what it was from until I looked it up. But this is the guy who, in all the in those three Ernest movies, yeah. has like the the skinny old guy sidekick partner. Oh, that's always like jutting his lower jaw. Yeah, out. yeah the yeah, pen exactly. and teller. So yes. exactly. So they're they're in all of these movies together, but they don't they don't play the same characters over and over. They just happen to be in all of the Ernest movies. Okay. Um, we have Al White here as Lewis. He plays the second jive dude in Airplane, so we'll have him later this year. He also came back to play a witness in Airplane 2, and he's credited as Dad in Back to the Future 2. I, I, I know who that is. Who is that? Uh, so in Back to the Future 2, when they when they travel back to 1985, they don't realize that they're in the alternate 1985, oh, okay. the, the one from the timeline that split from the 55. So they go and knock on the door? Well, uh, Marty goes to what he believes to be his house. Right. And he jumps into his window, into his bed, but there's a preteen girl in there. And the dad thinks that <laughs> it's someone trying to rape his daughter. And he comes in there with a bat. Man, that franchise is full of good old-fashioned family fun. Robert Wool is New Bomb Turk here. Is there a name that's spelled differently that sounds like this? I've never heard of anyone named New Bomb. And his name is spelled phonetically N-E-W-B-O-M-B. I don't know. Is that a thing? Is that a nickname? Well, I think that Newbaum is actually his last name. But his brother's last name is also Turk. Well, they call his brother Turk. Because they're, they're, the, the Newbaum is the name of their family business. Newbaum, like, baked goods or something like Maybe that. Maybe he's Newbaum Jr. or something. Well, like, I would have imagined that there's a name like Newbaum spelled like 
N E U B A U M. Yeah. But I but not as a first name. And they call both of them Turk. They call him and his brother both Turk. So I don't I don't get it. Um he was Alexander Knox in Batman, which is kind of like uh the albert brooks from taxi driver character Mm -hmm. but he's great in that and he also came back to reprise that role for crisis on infinite earths yeah uh, just recently he's also marty in good morning vietnam and then halfway through the movie you're like is that arliss and i was like oh yeah he is arliss (laughs) yeah never seen an episode of arliss in my life but apparently he's that character but i know i know that he is arliss yes that's all i know about him yeah um he also uh, plays a really fun character. The movie is so bizarre, and uh, but it's, I highly recommend it. Uh, the movie Cobb, in which Tommy Lee Jones plays former baseball player Ty, Ty Cobb, Cobb, who's being interviewed by Robert Wall as an old man, and you just just find out it's this kind of like weird descent and just craziness because Ty Cobb is just so evil and horrible. Yeah. Uh, it's like the most famous baseball asshole. Yeah, it's just weird spending time with him yeah that's a really amazing performance by tommy lee jones uh and we also have eric christmas here as mr katzenberg i think he must have been at the dance upset at the people for driving through the through the garden and ruining everything but we just had him in the changeling he was the assistant slash husband to the medium that was like tearing out the pages Mm -hmm. as she was scribbling away and he's the priest in herald and mod and he also plays a priest in cheers also died in Camarillo, California. No way, really? <laughs> wow, the, in 2000, though. So yeah, we we had someone else die here, too. Like it in someone... our house, like 100 feet away, apparently. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, that was in that Little woman? Darling. Yeah, yeah, Little Darling. So it was like, oh my goodness, Camarillo is where everyone comes to die. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're the new Florida. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Jess, up or down? Uh, I'm going to go down on this one. Richard. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a down yeah um, me too i i feel like this movie could have been pretty good if you removed like three storylines focused more... i thought you were gonna say three characters well, well, there's <laughs> yeah, that, that well but that's that's it like because there's like the jimmy plot which is really somber and sad he's going off to vietnam he's scared of, about going and we as the audience are scared for him because we know how bad the vietnam thing is going to get and then there's you know some of the other characters just kind of like hanging out and having like their own like kind of little issues which is fine but then just all the dick and fart jokes don't fit yeah new bomb turk at the same time he's trying to play the dreyfus character from american graffiti and john belushi from animal house yeah and you can't be both of those people it's something like American Graffiti did better, and even much later, Richard Linklater's Days and Confused, which I think takes place in the 70s. Right. But it's a very similar concept of just following these groups of kids who are dealing with this upcoming changes of their life. Yeah. yeah. And I like Robert Wool, but I think he was miscast here. I don't even know if I think he was miscast. I think that... that the character was miswritten. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this this character shouldn't have been like this. You can have a, a zany kind of like character, but he gets to have some kind of other substance to him, which he does not. Yeah, and it it doesn't make sense that anyone would be friends with this guy, to let alone attracted to him, when all he does is run around and shout obscene things at people and fart into people's cars. Well, sometimes high school girls are dumb. Yeah, but. 
with the other guys that were around here, he's the one. He just looks like an idiot. He doesn't. He doesn't look like he's funny or that he's winning or embarrassing anybody. That's he just true. looks like a. He looks like a special needs kid that everyone <laughs> just puts up with. It's not necessary to check this one out. Although it did strike me as uh, crazy that the soundtrack for this would have inspired a, a Nappy Roots song for the song Good Day. It's just so weird that they would pull it from this movie. Like it must have just been on cable one day, and they were like, oh, "I kind of like that piano beat," and that was that was the impetus of a song. Other than that, I would say there's no reason to watch this. Richard, where's this going? Letterboxed. Um, I'm gonna put this just below Friday the Thirteenth which is just above to all good night. Okay. Right between those two. Jess, what are we looking at? Uh, so this one isn't terribly high for me. It just barely does not make the windows threshold. Okay. It is just below windows for me, um, which is about maybe two thirds down my list and just above. Don't go in the house. Okay. Mine is also below the windows threshold for my list. I think this goes above Nijinsky but below a small circle of friends. That's how annoying I would rank this. <laughs> I think that's everything we have for this one. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Or as I said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through patreon.com slash vintage video podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing effects, which IMDb summarizes like so. Some crew members of a company shooting a horror film begin to suspect that the killings in the movie are real and that they are actually making a snuff film does not happen <laughs> no i have uh yeah that's i have criticisms of that, that premise yeah so i like just reading you a premise that's not what the next movie's about and then just <laughs> blaming it on something when i could have written an actual premise but uh <laughs> we leave you now with the trailer for effects is there a trailer i, I probably i don't know <laughs> if there's not just show the trailer for the movie FX. <laughs> I'm just going to play you a promo from the short-lived channel FX. <laughs> which is still around. Is it? I don't know. Well, now it's FXX. Is it, a, is it the same channel? I don't know. Anyway. Justify was great. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. FX. Tom, would you get those lights, please? Now, if we put this under her skirt, are we really going to make the audience believe that it is her leg? Sure, and the cut after she's knocked down, yeah. All right, but what about the blood? What about it? Was well, there enough? Why? It's the way it would read with the razor cut down there. Nobody is going to believe a spurt of blood. They'll believe anything we show them. Okay, stand by. I got speed. Speed? Slater Celeste. You make your living creating and photographing special effects. Couldn't those have been special effects? Maybe it's not real. No. No, that was real. Something's wrong, Mona? Hey, look real to me. Play it again. All right, we start here, right? He slashes at her repeatedly, huh? She drags herself up the stairs. Blood flows. It starts slow at first, but then it...
Bill's up to a frenzied pitch. You should be filming this, right? Sometimes I think he's really gonna come at me with that razor. Now, am I screaming anything intelligible or... Only until I cut your throat and slice your mouth off. Now, he's laughing at you like a lunatic. He's cursing at you. But somehow, you managed to get up to that closet. Uh, yeah, you'd be saying something like, uh, Arthur, why? Uh, you're killing me, uh, you bastard. Okay, get ready. And a fade to black. Get it?